Hey, good morning, church. Good to see you guys. Um, you know, for a while there, it didn't look like we were going to, you know, that wherever two or more are gathered, we can do church. It didn't look like we were going to hit the minimum number there for a while. So thank you guys for being here. Um, Drew touched on it. I, I wrote this uh, message, if you will. I wrote this letter to my daughter exactly 17 years ago to the date. And, and in my mind this morning when it, when it started snowing, I was thinking maybe uh, Patrick and Michael, because they come a long way, would get stuck. And I said, okay, God, help me find this message just in case um, uh, they couldn't show up. And uh, my, my office is at home is similar to my office here. It's just like an explosion. It's just like, and, and I prayed, God, please help me find it. And like under the second thing I picked up, I found this letter to my daughter. She was two and a half months old at the time, and it's based on 1 Corinthians, or as our president would say, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. But if you guys could, if you guys could read this with me, okay? Let's do it together. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Oh, here we go. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I think that's, oops, more. Okay, I think this is it. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, and again, I wrote this January 21st, 2001, to my little girl, two and a half months old at the time. 
Dear little Sarah, you gave your mom and me quite a scare a week ago Friday. When you stopped breathing, so did we. You did it once at the doctor's office and then twice again in the ER. Someday when you're a parent, God willing, you'll understand. It is a hard thing to see someone you love with all your heart struggle so. But you are a fighter, Miss Sarah. We knew that from the moment we first heard your soft cries at birth, even though you were born three months early, even though you only weighed in at two and a half pounds and looked like a little squirrel, albeit the prettiest little squirrel I've ever seen, you were a fighter, breathing on your own from the start. You had to stay in the hospital for almost two months to grow and develop and get stronger, but the doctors and nurses were continually amazed by your progress. They kept telling us you were a very premature baby who didn't think or know she was a preemie. You didn't act like most preemies. Good genes? Probably not. More the result of lots and lots and lots of prayer. You are definitely a prayer baby, little girl. And on Christmas Eve, four weeks ago today, you got to come home with us. Sarah, your mom and I learned infant CPR that week before Christmas, just in case something like this would happen. But I have to tell you, it is one thing to practice on a plastic baby. It is a whole other thing to think about doing it for real. When Dr. Diaz started CPR on you, I had this surreal, almost out-of-body type experience where the edges of the picture get real fuzzy. This is just a bad dream, isn't it? This is just one of those 911 shows that happens to someone else, someone far away, someone without a name, someone without a connection to my life, to my heart. I don't really remember this, but Mom says in those first moments, I kept saying, come on, Sarah, come on. I guess that was my cheer for you. That was my encouraging you to be the fighter that you had already shown us. And at the moment, that was my heartfelt prayer for you. Come on, Sarah, come on. I wonder if Jesus cheers us on like that at critical moments in our lives. I'm thinking he must. Come on, Sarah, come on. Come on, Joe, come on. Stirrings in our hearts of God's desires for us, God's Holy Spirit, God's holy breath in our hearts and our lives. One of the Bible lessons for this Sunday was written by a guy named Paul, and he writes about what it means to be one in the Spirit. He was writing to some folks in the early church that were fighting against something, fighting amongst themselves, I guess. It seems like folks were arguing who was more important, whose talents or gifts or jobs were more important. And Paul gets in their faces and tells them, you twits, that's a holy word, um, you twits, you're all on the same team, you're all on the same team. The quarterback needs the center to get him the ball, the line needs to block, the receivers need to run their routes. A team that doesn't work together doesn't work. A team that is full of players, full of themselves, doesn't work. Sarah. I know you don't know much about football yet, but I'll teach you if you want, Broncos fan or not. She is a Broncos fan. Um, Sarah Girl, last Friday night, we got to witness a different kind of teamwork together. When we realized you had stopped breathing, Mom yelled for help. The receptionist, Kathy, rushed us into a room. Dr. Diaz was right there. Call 911, she said, calmly as she started mouth-to-mouth and then chest compressions. The ambulance was there in less than a minute. They started you on oxygen and got you stable enough to transport The doctor and EMTs worked together to transform information, life and death stuff. Mom rode to the hospital with you in the ambulance, and she told me later that the driver never said a word as he concentrated so on doing his part, driving through rush hour traffic on a Friday night. In hindsight, pretty neat stuff to witness, but only in hindsight. Maybe we could say that Dr. Diaz was the critical link in that team, but you know what? If all those folks didn't work together, If they didn't acknowledge each other and work as a team, it all would have fallen apart. If one of the players on that team didn't do their job or was mad at someone else on the team or didn't bring their A game last Friday night, well, little girl, you get the picture. 
funny in sort of a holy way. This past week, we celebrated the life of Martin Luther King Jr., a man who literally gave his life while breaking down some of the divisions. And now, now the Bible text that we look at is all about division. And Sarah Girl, God seems to work that way if we watch. Martin Luther King Jr., he had a dream. He had a dream that the divisions and barriers that we put up would come crashing down. He had a dream that we would work together as a people instead of spending so much energy and hate working against each other. He had a dream that we would, we would acknowledge our differences, but also that we would acknowledge our need for each other and for God. We each bring gifts into the world, Sarah, God-given gifts. St. Paul reminds us of that. The gifts or talents we so easily take credit for are God-given, God-loaned, God-breathed in us. Remember that, Sarah. Remind me, too, when I forget. These gifts are not to be hoarded and kept for ourselves or dealt out only to folks that we like or folks that look like us or sound like us or go to the same church as us. We need to share these gifts with all the folks that God puts in our lives so that we can learn to love each other better, so that we can ultimately learn to love God better. And Sarah, Sarah, no one's gifts are greater than or lesser than anyone else's. If we're going to make this work, we need all the gifts and all the hands on deck. Some things have changed in the 30-plus years since Martin Luther King Jr. gave his life fighting for the dream, Sarah Girl, but not many things. We still live in a world that is anything but colorblind. I know that causes God's heart to ache, but we also live in a world that seems to be so good at making other divisions, other barriers. We are real quick to draw the lines that separate us from them. When we look at folks differently, depending on where they live or what kind of house they live in or what school they go to, or whether they are single or divorced or married, or whether they've been to college or not, or whether they can shoot a basket or a deer or not, it is a sin. Sarah, when we look at folks differently because of who they are or what they wear or what they look like or what they do for a living, that is a sin. And Sarah, I'm embarrassed to say, at times it is my sin too. Sarah, there are many things that I wish were different for you as you come into this world, but they're not. We are a broken people living in a broken world. There's no quick fixes, no microwave answers, and I'm right in the middle of that brokenness and sinfulness, especially when I let my priorities get out of whack. Hold me to this, baby girl. When I let my job or outside responsibilities or God's work get in the way of my love for you and your brother and your mommy, you have my permission to slap me upside the head. Um, she's done that. She's bigger now, you know. Um, I need to be held accountable for my part of our family. Not, not that I don't have responsibilities outside the family. I do, and I need to be responsible and responsive to that. But when I go overboard in one direction or another, Sarah, that is wrong and sinful and divisive. Accountability and responsibility. Maybe that's being a member of the church the body of Christ is all about. The text this morning tells us if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Sarah, until we can tell good news to all the poor, until we can announce freedom to all who are in bondage or held prisoner, until there is no more brokenness in mind and body and spirit, little girl, we have our work cut out for us. We have our work cut out for us. If one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. When your little body was struggling to breathe last Friday, when you were gasping for each breath, when your heart almost stopped, our hearts almost stopped too. And it was not just an emotional thing, it was a physical and spiritual connection too. As you were suffering, your mom and I were suffering. I think I understand a little better now why God sent his son Jesus to us. 
We were struggling and hurting so, and because of that, God was struggling and hurting too. God's chosen people for all practical purposes had stopped breathing. And I guess we got too bogged down doing church instead of being the church. And God sent us Jesus. A part of God's self to jumpstart his people again. Sarah, when Dr. Diaz gave you CPR, she was giving to you her breath, her very life. When God sent Jesus, when God sent Jesus, God was giving us his very breath. That breath is the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in the body of Christ today, the church with a capital C. That spirit, baby girl, will never leave us. That's God's promise to us. That spirit is sealed upon each of us at our baptism when we become members of the body of Christ, when we become Christians, followers of Jesus. We just need to make sure we don't try to hide that spirit or run from what it's calling us to do. If one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. The second part of that text goes something like this. If one part of the body rejoices or is honored, we all rejoice together. Sarah, I need to share this picture with you a small glimpse of the church community that you'll soon be a part of. Christmas Eve morning, before we brought you home, I got to share with our church family that you would be coming home with us that afternoon. And you know what, little girl? They cheered for you, and for me and mom and your brother Jacob, and most of all, for God. They rejoiced as we rejoiced, just as they have also suffered with us as we have suffered, and we are forever grateful to them. Last Friday night, one phone call sent out the word that you were struggling, and I'm not sure how it all happened, but word got around, and you and Jacob and Mommy and I were prayed for and cared for and loved. Some folks even went to Shady Grove Hospital, and amazingly so, they got there before you got there from Frederick County Hospital before we got there. Still others came after we left, all came to hold us and to hug us and to pray for us. We have been and continue to be carried by the body of Christ, this part of the body, and the larger body around the country. Someday soon, when you are strong enough and well enough, we'll get you baptized into the body of Christ. And Sarah, girl, when we do church right or close to the truth, it is a really awesome thing. I pray we don't mess it up for you and your generation. Hey, just a quick aside on baptism. A new friend of Daddy's, Jay Foreman, is getting baptized this morning. I met Mr. Foreman in Megan's Bakery. I struggled with sweets even back then. A couple of weeks before you were born, somehow we got to talking and I invited him to our church and today he's getting baptized. Sarah girl, here's the really cool part. I gave him the wrong directions to our church and he still came. God uses us even when we mess up our part. Before I close, I have to share with you, other than the doctors and nurses and technicians and a couple of ambulance drivers, there are only a handful of people right now that have ever seen you, that have ever laid eyes on you. And that's been part of the deal to keep you strong and help you get better. We've needed to keep you isolated, and we will need to do so for a while longer. But Sarah, but Sarah, you would be amazed at how many, many, many people already know about you. And ask about you and pray for you. As we have shared our story and our struggles, with bringing you into the world, people got to know you. As we have shared and continue to share the story of your young, not yet three-month-old life, people have gotten to know you. The story, your story, has taken on a life of its own. And people we don't even know have come to know you, have come to pray for you. By phone calls and pictures and prayer chains and preaching and through letters and emails and just everyday stuff, people have heard about you, Sarah girl. 
People have heard about you, all kinds of folks too, some old, some new, some churchy, some not so. Your little life has touched others. It has crossed state lines. It has crossed divisions. I'm amazed and humbled by that. It reminds me of how the story of Jesus got to be known. Folks passionately telling how their folks had been touched by Jesus. Folks sharing their story, sharing Jesus' story. Folks telling other folks about the good news about God. Sarah, girl, we need to keep working on that one. Promise me you'll help me when you can, okay? Hey, little girl, I've babbled on long enough. I've got to close for now. I've got to go write a sermon. Maybe I can use some of this. You're teaching me lots. Remind me of this letter when I get too busy or in too much of a hurry or too distracted or too whatever. My heart's yours. Sarah, girl, my heart to yours. Love, Dad. Love, Dad. Allergies are really bothering me this morning. Uh-huh. This is part of the story, um, and thank you for letting me share that. Um, I got a sleeve. I don't need to Kleenex. Uh-huh. Um, hey, th- this is part of Jesus' story. Um, you know, on the night before Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread. Uh, and after giving thanks and praise, he broke the bread gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which will be broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Never forget how much I love you guys. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. Again, after giving thanks and praise, he gave the cup to his disciples and said, take and drink. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. My blood, my blood will be shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this, do this in remembrance of me. Never forget how much I love you guys. Um, I invite the servers to come forward. Uh, we do, we do, we're going to do communion this morning. If you're able to come forward by intinction, just break off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. Um, the table is set. All are welcome. Please come. Thank you.